I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. He'll be coming around the mountain when he comes. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right, so I have a question. You got you got to determine, or people on Twitter can help help determine this for me. So I was at the gym earlier today after work, and just getting some cardio in. And it was a quick workout because I had to meet somebody. I had a meeting at six o'clock, so I had this like hour. Like, get to the gym, do a quick cardio session. Here's the thing. So you were late to your Zumba class. <laughs> My spin class with Jeannie, but, uh, but it was you. It was me. So anyway, I'm getting some cardio in on this treadmill, and. But here's 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 my dilemma. Here's my question: If you don't drop visible sweat on the handles and on the arms of the treadmill, do you do you go and wipe? Do you get the like towels and wipe it off anyway? I am. Th- not, if anyone has looked at me, I am not a gym guy, so I don't know what the I was, etiquette it, is. I know you wipe it after you're done, which is it's that, sort of well, like that's going my, to the bathroom. Yes, but that 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 was my thing of okay. I you obviously if there, is anyone pre wipe. I, I wonder if anyone pre wipes. I should yes, I should pre wipe that. But <laughs> I'm still talking about the bathroom. <laughs> uh, but dude wipes. Mark Cuban. Now it's now it's relevant. <laughs> so anyway, that's the dilemma I was in. I finished. Uh, I finished the little session there, and I didn't have visible sweat on the rail thing. I was sweating, but nothing of it dripped on it. So then I was like back and forth: Do I wipe it off or do I not? And so I just went ahead and just wiped it off anyway. But what is the proper etiquette of that? So if you are a hardcore, hey, I eat, you know, protein for breakfast, and you're in the gym every single day for, you know, I don't know, hours on hours, and you know the exact etiquette of that. Let me know. I need to know. I think you just always wipe, right? I feel like that's what it is. I mean, I went back and did it, but I'm like, is this pointless? Am I wasting paper towels at this point? Even though I'm not, I don't even see anything. But save the paper towels, save the world, save the trees. Anyway, that's just random. This is on my mind. There you go. On my mind today is several things. First of all, <laughs> several. Josh Hart. Oh, no. Josh Hart was not on my mind today. <laughs> Magic. Magic Johnson. Magic, Magic Johnson is always on my mind. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten in a doctor's office, how is it being a Lakers, like growing up being a Lakers fan and just taking this public beating right now? Like if you looked at it, one of those scales and say, how much does it hurt one to ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ten, 10, being, the, like, 10 being the highest, it's probably like an, like an 8.5. Okay, 10, 10 being that. 2008 when they lost the finals to the Celtics. Ooh. That'd be a 10. This is like an 8.5. Or like an, I'll least, just say, I'll just say a solid 8. But at least you had a good player that you're coming back this next season with and Kobe. They have LeBron, Isaac. I don't know what you, <laughs> They also have Kuzma. Oh, uh, just <laughs> kidding. Anyway, no more Lakers talk. 
No more Lakers talk. But what we will talk about is another another semi-irrelevant team that always gets talked about way too much, the New York Knicks. Um, we will talk about the Porzingis thing thing that happened to add another thing that was kind of weird. We will talk about that. Bleacher Report tweeted it out. Uh, it was at some it was at a Chase event, like Chase Bank. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the all-defense team. And then we will do our free agent profile of Malcolm, the President Brogdon. The Prez. A lot of you are excited about that. They they do play tonight, game five. I'm excited to see game five, and Malcolm Brogdon's going to be a big deal. I, I'm projecting, I'm guessing that he's going to start. That's my guess for game five. He should. <laughs> he should start. He's better than Bledsoe. Yeah, offensively, for sure right now. I'd take him defensively over Bledsoe, too. They're in a part of Bledsoe's game. Maybe in the weight room? I don't know. He could bench more? All right, so... The Porzingis situation, our guy Jack t- tweeted it to us. and uh, Our guy please- Jack that we've met at a Mavs game before and got a picture with, so <laughs> shout out Jack. That's a real fan right there. Actually, since now that I moved, he might be one of the only people in the world with a picture of both of us. With both of us in the same boat. That is very true. Wow. That is true. Tweet us if you have a picture of both of us. We haven't been in the same place in a long time. Oh, that's sad. That is sad. I need to come to the beach. It's right here. I got an extra bedroom for you. <laughs> Mavs fans, there you go. No, not. not. <laughs> <laughs> DM Isaac. He's my receptionist. <laughs> okay, so let's play the audio. This is from um, GM Scott Perry and President of Basketball Operations Steve Mills. They're being interviewed at a J.P. Morgan Chase speaker event. So hmm. they are just guest speakers at this event, and they're talking about Porzingis and his trade demand. When he walked into our office, my office, and Scott was sitting there with me, and point blank said to us, I don't want to be here. I'm not going to resign with the Knicks, and I'm going to give you seven days to, to trade me, or I'm going back to the end, going back to Europe with you. So, fortunately for us, through that process that we talked about to start in September, we had a number of deals lined up, and we could start the trade call as soon as we walked out of the office. All right, so a couple things in there. The first one that stands out is his ultimatum. Um, seven days to trade me or I'm going back to Europe. Okay, so what did you take from this? Because to me, I don't think it means he's going to go back and play with like Real Madrid, right? Like he just went back to... Because they had that whole thing where they didn't want him to be in, with Real Madrid to like rehab. So that to me is what... I took from it, but do you really think that he was going to go back and play for Real Madrid and not play for the Knicks anymore? I don't think so. I don't have any type of like insight on that whole, how that ended in New York with Porzingis and the Knicks. Uh, I think it's very safe to say that it wasn't on the best of terms as far as the, all of their relationships, Porzingis's camp in New York. Um, but no, yeah, I think I, I, I would, I took that as, Hey, I'm going to go back, you know, to Spain. Uh, you know, he spent a lot of his rehab time, um, in Spain at real Madrid, uh, you know, where Luca was playing and stuff, you know, in fact, so I, yeah, I took that as, Hey, if you don't trade me, I'm going to go back there and keep, you know, training, recover all that stuff. And, but I mean, I, I, it shows whether you want to try to figure out if it's literal or not, or like playing or not it does show that there was tension there at the end. And I don't, I would guess that 
Steve Mills is not just making that up out of, you know, out of thin air that there was some type of, Hey, like I want to be traded. And that was pretty clearly reported at the time too. And as a player, you have to come up with some kind of threat. There has to be some kind of ultimatum. There has to be some kind of thing because you can't just say, I mean, for Anthony Davis, he came out and he was like, I want to be traded. Like, well, then what do yeah, you, sometimes then, your then back what? hurts. He, sometimes then, you're sick. Then he's, <laughs> then he's like, okay, well I'm going to sit out. And the NBA is like, no, you can't just sit out because we need you to play. And make money because this franchise doesn't really make that much money anyway. We need you to actually make money. So I, I don't know if you're up to date in this whole situation with um, with FaZe and Tifu. Tifu, the, the Fortnite gamer, the professional gamer. The and crap then, is that? And then FaZe is this professional uh, gaming team. I don't know if you're up what? to date on this whole feud. There's there's a feud right what now. What is this? So Tifu is, this, is a Fortnite professional gamer. Some people think he's the best Fortnite player out there. And over Ninja, yeah, Ninja's, Ninja's the only dude I know. Yeah, secretly Ninja is like not that good. I called lies because you they're they're dude, no because Ninja is an entertainer. Ninja Ninja is like a personality. He's so really, he's kind of like LeBron. He's no, he's like Joel, I mean no like he's like, he's like he's like Joel Embiid. He's like LeBron, but he's not the best. He just kind of has like the. He can he can win tournaments. He was the best. He can win tournaments, and he can you know he can play and he can play with the best of them. But he's but he not needs some one people the, to carry him. He's not one of the best because okay. there's there's dudes that just sit in their basement and just grind on certain certain servers that you know you're playing against better competition. Whereas Ninja just plays for fun with his friends with all the general population. Yeah. Anyway, so Tifu is with this company called Phase, and Phase kind of started his career out, and they found him, discovered him, and they brought him onto Phase. And as soon as he joined phase his numbers just started skyrocketing he became one of the best players in the world he was already really good before he got to phase which is why they brought him in this guy named banks is the guy that started phase and so banks discovered him brought him in i'm so impressed with your knowledge of this and so um they brought him in now tifu is like one of the best biggest players i mean he makes millions and millions of dollars a month making playing fortnite whether it's tournaments or his twitch numbers youtube numbers all that stuff and so recently like within the last couple of days tifu sued is this tfue or tofu some people call him tofu but it's tfue it's t-f-u-e so So tofu sued tofu tofu (laughs) sued phase and he's like okay well uh you guys are taking too much money from me and my contract he claimed that they were taking 80 percent of his youtube and twitch money and all that stuff and he just kept saying all these different things and one of the things that he put in there was that they made him move to uh, their phase house in Beverly Hills and live with the rest of the team. And they made him do that. And then they also made him drink underage and gave him alcohol and made him drink underage. And so Ooh. like people see this and they're like, this is ridiculous. He is, he is a well-known ridiculous person that does crazy stunts and stuff. And, uh, and he's been seen drinking when he was 16 before he even joined phase. And so, but he threw that in there. And the lawyers threw that in there as a way to get leverage. Like, hey, I was put in a situation that was, was unfit for me, and so I want to try to get out of this. And so to get out of situations like this, sometimes you just have to throw in little things like, hey. I was going to say, I'm trying to figure out where we started on this and how this is hey, coming back. Hey, I'm going to go back to Europe. And they're like, they're calling BS, but it's like, 
Well, I just have to throw that in there because I have to get some kind of leverage. So if Tifu throws in the, hey, you guys, you know, maybe drink underage, he threw that in there as a as a way to somehow get leverage and make them look like he was put in a dangerous situation. Porzingis Lonzo, is, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball needs to learn from Tofu. Porzingis is going to use any single thing to try and get out of that, or at least his, you know, his brother Giannis was going to try to get him out of that situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were worse things than I'm going to go back to Europe said. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it was difficult there towards the end. I mean, there, you saw that tension. and Towards the I end mean, of my analogy or towards the end of Porzingis with the Knicks? Towards the end of Tofu's you know, career with FaZe, that was a huge moment. But no, By like, the way, with, my, my theory on the, the Tifu-Banks saga is I think it's all fake, and I think that they saw the James Charles-Tati-Westbrook thing, and I think that they created their own thing. Anyway, that's just my thought. I wonder how many people on this pod have any clue what you're talking There's about. There's like four that just like really freaked out just now that were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they were talking about wow, pro gaming. Pro ga- okay, we talked about pro gaming and I talked about the uh, YouTube makeup artist. That's what I talked about. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But no, yeah. I mean, obviously uh, he gave him that seven days and it kind of just speaks a little volume to the, the speed in which that deal went down. We've reminisced about that day uh, a lot of how how that first report came out this, that morning that Porzingis met you know with the Knicks and all that stuff and how it was slowly trickling out he wants out then there was the port of the four teams that he requested and then it was no time a few hours later bam they're finalizing a deal with the Dallas Mavericks and stuff and so yeah I mean I think Steve Mills says in the video uh, that the moment that he walked out from that meeting they started calling teams and seeing what deals were and all that stuff. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that meeting happened. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm thankful that it happened so fast, which is one of the other, another thing. Apparently they said that it happened so fast that they wanted to try and get more deals done, but all the other deals had to include a third team. This is all coming from a guy that was at the event and he just tweeted this. He said that all the other deals had to include a third party and they didn't want to, they just wanted to do direct to one team and the Mavericks were right there. So, Hey, they took advantage, and Porzingis is a Maverick, so goody. Goody. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, the all-defensive team. But, Isaac, before we do, everybody, if you're not subscribed to this podcast yet, you have to be subscribed. It's just a rule. You can't listen without being subscribed. It's honestly just kind of weird if you're not subscribed. And you can subscribe on all these different platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and you can also subscribe on the new Himalaya app. If you are a person that's just getting into podcasts, I would recommend the Himalaya app over all the other ones because it will suggest podcasts to you with your interests. As soon as you log on, as soon as you put your email in, it'll just say what what things are you interested in, sports, TV, film, music, all kinds of different things, and then it'll give you a bunch of suggestions. You can also import a lot of your existing podcasts from other platforms over to Himalaya so if you wanted to move over to that. So use go use the new Himalaya app for podcasts. It's pretty good. I like it. I like the uh, the way that you can discover new podcasts on it. It has a trending button, which is cool to see trending podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So use the new Himalaya app. And when we come back, all defense. All right, Isaac. The all defensive teams came out. Ooh, let's see where Wes Matthews is. <laughs> and boy, were they interesting. Okay, so first team, center, Rudy Gobert. Forwards, Paul George and Giannis. Guards, yeah, Marcus Smart and Eric Bledsoe. Hmm. Any 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 kind of 
No, I mean, I you said this before when we first started talking that the Eric Bledsoe, hey, number one defense in the league from Milwaukee, it kind of probably played into his vote. I thought I just thought that was I don't know pretty interesting. Uh, personally, I would go with Drew Holiday and Clay Thompson. Um, you know. I don't know. Is there something to be said that last series Kyle Lowry looked like uh, Randy Brown on the '90s Bulls, and now he looks like you know top five point guard with Bledsoe guarding him? I don't. Does that say anything? I don't know. Probably not. But I don't know. I mean, he's a good defender, but whatever. Sure, they gave it to him. I'd take Drew Holiday over Eric Bledsoe defending. But that's just me. Second team. Center, Joel Embiid. Forwards, Draymond and Kawhi. Guards, Drew Holiday and Klay Thompson. All these players are deserving, right? We can't say that any of these players that made it were like, oh, that's ridiculous. How could they make it? The Eric Bledsoe one's really the only one that we could look at and be like, he doesn't really deserve it. But that's not even, he doesn't even not deserve it. It's just like the least deserving of all 10 of them. Yeah, I wouldn't say he doesn't deserve it, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it does show you a little a little glimpse into it's kind of it's kind of like the MVP award as far as you know Draymond Green made the second team and even you know you were talking before like hey you know he might not have could have made it and because of his regular season and stuff it's kind of like the MVP or it's kind of like the best player the uh, best player versus MVP that MVP is more about the regular season, but you might, you see like kind of the best players in the NBA rise when it comes to the playoff time in the sense of <clears throat> guys like Draymond Green and Pat Beverly. These are guys that I want on my team guarding some of the best players in the league come to playoffs and that are grinding you know, in the playoffs and uh, that are really good defenders in the playoffs. But they're guys that in the regular season that they might, you know, set out some games for rest or take it a little easy in the regular season. So, I don't know. It's kind of difficult. Like, Andre Iguodala is a perfect example of that, too. Probably one of the best wing defenders in the entire NBA. But over the body of a season, it's hard to maybe give him that award when, you know. And that's why I try to use the MVP thing because Kevin Durant's the best player in the world right now. But he's not going to get MVP because... You know, it's a full regular season type thing, and you got Giannis and Harden and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool for like resumes and stuff, but I don't think that you look at it and say, I mean, there's been cases in history to where the defensive player of the year doesn't make all defensive first team, right? Didn't Mark Gasol that happen to Mark Gasol, I think, a few years ago? I think it was DeAndre Jordan. Somebody it happened to, and you're like, how in the world does that? So, yeah, these all. These all defensive teams are kind of weird sometimes. They are kind of weird. What's weirder, though, the thing that I think is weirder, that I, I enjoy more about this, is the players that got votes that definitely shouldn't have gotten votes. Oh, we got some we got some dance. Are you ready this. for this? Okay, I'm going to go through them. I'm ready. James Harden. Yes, the James Harden, the only one. Mm. Two first-team all-defense votes. Who? Take the vote. We need transparency. I need to know. He's not as bad as what he used to be. I will say that. So, but this is not a most improved defensive vote. Okay, that's a very true point. Two, not even second team, first team. Two, yes, yeah, somebody out there really filled out a ballot and put James Harden ahead of. Well, okay, I mean, I guess he's a guard, but they they literally put him ahead of Clay, Drew, Bledsoe, Marcus Smart, or at least you know three and of them. Beverly 
and Danny Green. <laughs> like and <True>. everyone else <laughs> except for maybe one player. Yes. Steph Curry, one first team all defensive vote. I'm there's someone out there that voted for Curry and Harden first team all defense. There is Let's someone there's someone out there. I'd like to know who you are. I also don't think Curry's the, as I think Curry's an underrated defender, by the way. Yes, but he is not a great defender. Not a great. True. Yeah, he's not a great. I mean, I th- Curry getting one first first team defensive thing doesn't bother me as much as Kyrie Irving getting any votes for anything. Beal, one second team all defensive vote. <laughs> Kyrie, one second team all defense vote. Lillard, one second team all defense vote. And my, Terrence Ferguson. And my favorite one, Nikola Jokic got one second team all defense vote. Did he really? I mean, yeah. what are we talking hmm. about here? Interesting. What game now, are I will we watching? Say, uh, there are around four players that I thought would get more love than what they did. Miles Turner, PJ Tucker, Siakam, and Patrick Beverly. Four guys that I thought would get a little bit more love. Um, well, you only I think Miles votes, Turner should have. So it's it's kind of hard to get a lot of points. They were they were the next three highest in in total points. So. I feel like Miles Turner should have pushed Joel and beat a little bit more, but oh well. PJ Tucker, uh, I thought he had a pretty good season too, by the way. But oh well. But hey, what do you do? I don't lose sleep over these. Uh, I think all NBA teams, outside of contracts, uh, outside of what it matters to like money and contracts, those are. I think those things matter to me more than anything else. More than All Star more than besides like major like all nba is a massive deal when you yeah first team second team they're all that stuff so uh those should come out um maybe today i think yeah probably it seems like they're coming out you know one day next day next day yeah and i'm sure we'll talk about this on tomorrow night's pod some but whatever happens with those all nba things with kimball walker uh, the future of Bradley Beal, like some of these things are really in play of whether they, these guys get are eligible for Supermax. For sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Anything else in the all-defensive teams? No, no, I don't care that much about it. Um, Miles Turner tweeted out today, blatant disrespect, but it's all good. Real ones know what's up. Yeah, we know what's up. Come back to Dallas, Miles. And yeah, where's Wesley Matthews on this list? <laughs> Come on. No Mavericks got votes, right? None? No. Oh, well. None. DeAndre, what, I think the, the chart cut off because DeAndre was number one for centers, but I heard there was just a De- miscalculation. DeAndre literally got less votes than Nikola Jokic, Brooke Lopez, Andre Drummond, and Bam Adebayo. Jokic got more votes than DeAndre. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Al Horford was a forward. That's weird. It's very weird. All right, let's uh, let's move on to Malcolm Brogdon, our free agent profile of Malcolm Brogdon, the president. Oh, Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, six five guard with a six eleven wingspan that we were we were high on, coming out of Virginia. Um, I think. Do you know that he won the Rookie of the Year? <laughs> I do. Isn't that weird? Know. Isn't that weird that he won the Rookie of the Year? But obviously, it was the year where Joel Embiid played like thirty games. Ben Simmons also didn't play. And the rest of his rookie class is actually is actually pretty good if you look at it. And if you look back at his rookie class, you're like, man, I'm surprised that he won rookie of the year. 
Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Deontay Murray, Buddy Heald, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, and Malik Beasley. Interesting. It's pretty surprising, right, that Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year that year. Yeah, they, it just took them a little bit, a uh, little bit of time to kind of adjust. And I mean, now would you take Jamal Murray v. Brogdon? Probably, yeah. Uh, some of these would guys. Would you take Deontay yeah. Murray over Brogdon? Uh, no, just because of the ACL stuff. I think he has potential to be better in Brogdon, but uh, I think that I think it was a case, uh, a prime example of an older player coming out of college, a, a vet, a college vet, if you would say coming to the NBA that takes a little bit less time to adjust. And that's when you're, when you get a Jalen Brunson type um, that comes into the league, they can play right away because they, they spent multiple years in college compared to some of these guys, these one and done guys like Jamal Murray and some of these guys that, Hey, like we, we're going to take a little bit of time, but we might have a higher upside. So it played into the, you know, Brogdon rookie of the year thing. For sure. Brogdon strengths. Obviously, good, good, efficient shooter. He's in the 50-40-90 club this year. That's pretty. That's been pretty prominently displayed in the, in the playoffs. Really good defensively. Obviously, Isaac just said he thinks he's better defender than Eric Bledsoe, who just made first team All Defense. So Isaac has very good things to say about Malcolm Brogdon. Um, defense and shooting. I mean, that's just the two. He's a, he's a three and D guard, which is actually kind of rare in the NBA. Yes, I absolutely love Malcolm Brogdon. When um, some people tweet at, or I mean, text at me, and they'll be like, "Hey, who's some you know a free agent outside of the big names? Who's a free agent that you would love to have on the Mavericks next year?" My my answer every single time is Malcolm Brogdon, and I the fit and everything, but his strengths, the type of player he is, he's a restricted free agent this summer, and uh. You know, when you have uh, a guy that his size, you play, you know, he's six foot five, 215, uh, 6'11, seven foot wingspan. You love that. <laughs> you love that, you know, physically for a frame at the guard spot. Uh, on top of that, I mean, he literally shot 42% from three this year. 42% from three. Uh, he's a career, and th- after three years in a league, he's a career 40% shooter from three. That's pretty dang impressive. Um, I ran I ran the season finder thing on, on Basketball Reference as far as uh, players this past year uh, that attempted uh, players this past year that attempted at least two hundred three pointers, shot at least or averaged at least three and a half threes a game, and shot at least forty two percent from three. How many players would you guess? hit that mark uh at least 42 percent from three 203 pointers and three and a half three 42 percent yeah five actually 11 oh yeah uh but when you look at some of these names you might not put malcolm brogdon in the in your mind some of you are listening and you might not say you might not think of malcolm brogdon when you think of Danny Green, Buddy Hill, Joe Harris, Steph Curry, Gallinari, Bognanovich. Like these are guys. If you said name the best three point shooters in the league, look at uh, the three point contest. I mean, Joe Harris won it. Buddy Hill was in it. Steph is in. It. You know, these are type of guys that you immediately in your head know. Oh, these are some of the best shooters in the game. Malcolm Brogdon's on that same list, and for his frame and where he like for the Bucks, that's what man. He's just a knockdown uh, outside shooter and. 
you can't get much better than four four forty two percent from from three. I don't know. I think there are higher numbers than forty two. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> you did say the forty fifty. What would you say? Did 50, you say 40, 50, 40, 90 club? Fifty forty ninety club. Yeah, he shot ninety two percent from the three from the free throw line uh, this past year, which is um, super impressive too. And a smaller a smaller stat that I put a little bit of weight into that I, I really like, but um, it's really impressive. Uh, defensively, uh, when you look at synergy, two things that he's, uh, or one thing he's very good at is guarding the pick and roll ball handler. 46% of the time uh, on defense this past year, he was the primary defender on a pick and roll ball handler. Uh, he was in the 71st percentile of that and a very good rating on synergy. Uh, when you guard uh, opposing Point guards, that's the main thing that you really would like to be the best at, and uh, he's pretty good at it. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, also, I noticed that last season he averaged 2.7 fouls a game, and this season mm. he was down to 1.6 fouls a game. Mm. Interesting. Mm. He played Perfect. just about the same amount of minutes. So he cut it, cut down the fouls. That is, that is a pretty cool. I like that little nugget. Uh, weaknesses. Do you have anything weakness-wise? He's he's very similar to Middleton in the sense that if you know what you're getting in the player, you don't really care about the weaknesses. He's not really a shot creator. He's not really going to create a shot for you. Uh, yeah, he's he's not the best shot creator. He's not the guy that you're going to say. Uh, Middleton's a little bit better at, at creating his own shot, but he's not the guy that you're going to clear out and say, hey, go get me a, a, a bucket. Uh, even uh, when you look at uh, jump shots off the dribble. For instance, uh, this past year, uh, he scored. He had 64 possessions that he took a jump shot off the dribble, and he had a points per possession of 0.67. That's in the 21st percentile. Um, on Synergy, it's a below average rating on that. So it's not a, uh, I wouldn't say that's a huge strength of his. Uh, even looking at uh, his shots uh, on the court, it kind of, it kind of, Three point percentage or a three point line. He has an excellent in the ninety, you know, fifth percentile of that. But short range, uh, under seventeen feet, uh, he's kind of middle of the pack at fifty three percent, you know, in the league percentile okay, so of leagues. Translate that because you just said a lot of words. Three point, he ranks excellent. Yeah, just saying that he's a really good outside shooter and he's a uh, you know one of the best outside shooters in the league. But finishing at the rim and scoring inside. Now that's. I'm not saying he's horrible at that. That kind of plays into the offensive system that Bucks did because they launched a ton of three pointers this past year. And when you got Giannis, that's going to get into the paint all the time. You really don't need your guys to do that very often uh, because you know comparing to his <laughs> three point shots, he had over 190 of them. But when you look into everything underneath that, you're looking at like under 40 possessions in which he shot, you know, not three pointers for the most part. It's not a lot. It's not a ton, but that plays a lot into Milwaukee's system too. For sure. Um, misconceptions. Um, oh, gosh. Misconceptions that he's a point guard. I don't think he's a point guard, right? And he hasn't been playing point guard for um, for Milwaukee. You want him in a system like with Luka. You want him to, to be next to a guy that you know, can handle the ball, a guy that's going to create offense. Yeah, uh, I didn't have anything on that, so I'm going to build off uh, of what you just said. Naturally, when you look at Brogdon, you want to pencil him in as the quote point guard uh, because you know he's a three year guy out of Virginia, 
Rick Carlisle's from Virginia too. And anyway, um, but you do want to pencil him in as that, but he, he really isn't that. And the system, and that's why it would be kind of a seamless fit going from Milwaukee to Dallas, because what you would ask Brogdon of him playing off Giannis would be pretty much the same thing you'd ask him to do playing off Luka Doncic too. So yeah, I don't, I don't think of him as a point guard, but as this like, um, but can he bring the ball up to court and get an offensive, you know, set going? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you that I wouldn't, in technical terms, you'd have to put him as a point guard, but he really doesn't run that point guard spot like you would think. Nope. Roster fit. I mean, he would come in, he would, he would start at the point guard position, <laughs> depending on who else the Mavericks brought in or got. Um, but he could also start, you know, say next to like Jay, like Jalen Brunson or next to another point guard or Patrick Beverly. I mean, you could start him like that because of, of Luca. If Malcolm Brogdon's the smallest guy in your starting lineup, that, that would be ideal because yes. he he can guard the Kyrie's, the staffs of the world, or at least you're going to put him on it. I, I think, um, if Milwaukee gets to the finals, seeing him against Steph will be really interesting. I think that would be fun. Um, I wonder if Milwaukee would go with him over Bledsoe, but they have first team guy in Bledsoe. So let's see what Bledsoe can do, you know? Um, but yeah, he's definitely a starter. I mean, like I said before, he's 6'5", 215, 6'11", 7 foot wingspan. I mean, that's this this is what I would draw up as a def- you know, who can shoot 42% from 3. This is the exact type of mold of a quote point guard that I would want alongside Luka Doncic in the backcourt. Hey, there was one quick, can I mention a, a real quick positive? No. About his shooting. I know we praised about his shooting a lot, but on synergy on catch and shoot shots, uh, a lot of times when you look up the stat for players, uh, as far as their catch and shoot shooting, they have two categories for this guarded catch and shoot shots and then unguarded. So obviously I don't need to explain that, but a lot of times, you know, okay. If you're standing in a corner, you're wide open. That is an unguarded catch and shoot shot. They pass it to you, you shoot the ball and you know, catch and shoot shot, but somebody's in your face and you shoot it for instance. But when you look at, you look at different players in this stat, a very clear sometimes uh, trend that you see a lot of times is unguarded shots is normally a higher percentage, you know, and guarded shots, it's they're usually a you know a little bit you know less than that. Malcolm Brogdon on both categories has an excellent rating on guarded catch and shoot shots. He has an he's in the 99th percentile. Dang. In in unguarded catch and shoot shots, he's in the 91st percentile. Both uh, 1.5 points per possession 1.4 points possession so um it just it's just another stat that just shows you he's a heck of a shooter we would love malcolm brogdon on the mavericks but as far as availability he is a restricted free agent so unless something crazy happens where they decide that they don't want to play the luxury tax they keep middleton at the max like you talked we talked about yesterday and they also want to keep brooke lopez and potentially miritich then you're talking about, okay, then there's a possibility. If they don't want to pay the luxury tax. If they go to the finals, then I'm sure that they'll pony up and pay the luxury tax for a finals team. Yeah, well, in my in my opinion, the moment they reach the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. that's the moment they're going to bring everybody back. And uh, at least Brogdon and Middleton because – you know, you got Middleton uh, in in his 20s, Malcolm Brogdon um, – also you know, in his twenties. I mean, he's older too. Right? Okay, that, so that might this be a misconception. Is, this was misconception too, and I have a few players' names down that are the same age as him. Brockton's twenty six years old. 
Yeah. And that might throw some people off because he just won rookie of the year you know, a handful of years ago. So uh, he, you know, he spent three years at Virginia. He came into the league as an older guy, like we mentioned earlier, but he's 26. He's the same age as Austin Rivers, same age as Enes Cantor, same age as Evan Fournier, Rodney Hood, Tobias Harris, Rudy Gobert. Uh, all of these guys are 26 years old. Same age as Tobias Harris kind of like breaks my brain. Really? Why? Yeah, I don't know why that one specifically. Just feels like he's. I feel like in, long. I feel like Cantor's been in the league for a while, and the fact that him and Brogdon's the same age yeah. kind of weirds me out a little bit. Is, but is Harrison going to be Harrison Barnes going to be twenty seven this year? Right, like I can't remember. Or is, I think he might be twenty six this year. He's he's off the Mavericks, and now we don't care about him. We don't think about him anymore. <laughs> I can't remember how he used old to be. He all is. used to be all I thought about was Harrison Barnes. <laughs> now I can't even um, remember how old he is. But back to his percentage or availability for for Brogdon, I put it a little bit higher. Ah, Harrison Barnes is going to be twenty seven on May thirtieth. Okay, so in eight, huh. so in seven days, soon. Um. I put it a little bit higher. I, for Chris Middleton, I put a percentage at 5%. I put Brogdon at 25%. Uh, just because I think if they do have to choose between a, a big contract to hand out, I think they'd definitely choose Middleton over Brogdon. I just don't think they don't think they will choose. Uh, will the Bledsoe extension play into what they do with Brogdon? It shouldn't because Bledsoe and Brogdon should be their backcourt together. Um, yeah, so I think if... They, I think if they have to figure out who to bring back, I think you're looking at, you know, Miritich on the outside looking in, you know, Brooke Lopez at the, you know, the, you just don't let people like, it's kind of the same thing with Middleton. When you have somebody like Giannis, you want to put people around him like Brogdon and Chris Middleton. And these are guys both in their mid twenties that if you, even when you hand them four year deals, five years, five year deals, they're still going to be, this is their prime. So how do you feel about a prime, you know, with Brogdon and Middleton build and go around Giannis for, you know, for a while. So uh, I don't, I think he stays a, a Milwaukee buck. Do you think they will want to pay him less or more than Bledsoe? I think it'd be around the same. Uh, you know, I, I, you see different things. Because Bledsoe, be some, Bledsoe next year making fifteen six. I, I think he'll. I think he'll get a little bit more than Bledsoe. Um, if Milwaukee doesn't want to hand it to him, I think there'll be teams ready to hand it to him. And Brogdon is cut from the same cloth. We've talked about this before. As the Dwight Powell, Harrison Barnes type, yeah, great individuals, super smart. They call him the president. Um, yeah, they call him the president. Uh, there's a great feature. Huh? I think it's on the undefeated. Um, he was talking to Shaq and Barkley and them about it the other day uh, on the TNT about his off the court stuff. He does building wells. Uh, he just seems like an outstanding individual. Um, so guys like that, Carl Carlisle Mavericks absolutely love. Uh, but people across the league absolutely love that too, and that's for a reason. So I would project – I honestly think Malcolm Brogdon would get 18 to $20 million next year. Oof. So then all of a sudden you're talking about Giannis making 25.8, Bledsoe 15.6, Middleton probably 30, 32, Brog, so, Brogdon 20. It wouldn't shock me if Brogdon signs a four-year $80 million deal. And then they also they're also paying Tony Snell eleven point three million dollars to do nothing. 
Yeah, they got to offload that. And Ilyasova, $7 million next year. Really? I thought he was going to be a free agent for some reason. He's not guaranteed mm-hmm. after next season. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the choice. But the thing is, I mean, he's a restricted free agent. And when you talk, when Mavs fans talk about that, as far as, uh, you know, I will lead that charge. I want him really bad. But are you willing to tie up everything? Yeah. That's that's the case you get yourself into. If, if you go out on day one and throw a four for 80 on the table and say, I don't think Milwaukee's going to match that, you're going to have to wait three days. That's a lot that happens in three days in free agency. I mean, sometimes it happens within hours that people are meeting and stuff happens and agents want deals done. And so people won't wait for three days a lot of times. So you risk... Uh, in restricted free agency, signing you know Brogdon to a big deal, waiting three days to where you, it ties up your cap, you can't do anything uh, as far as other free agents, and then Milwaukee matching it, and then bam, you just wasted three days that other free agents went somewhere else, and you're kind of screwed at that point. So it's tough. Restricted free agency is a whole different ball game. What is it? They moved it to six p.m. on June thirtieth now. Yeah, June thirtieth. I mean, it's kind of the ball. I know people have threw out the Chandler Parsons thing, uh, but that was a little bit different situation than you know the options that we have this summer. And we've said before the Dwight Powell thing the other day. Uh, Dallas has a plan, and um, God's plan. The, <laughs> and uh, the Dwight Powell um, shuffling and order of events on some things uh, just further pushes that. For sure, for sure, it, it feels like they have something cooking. Or at least they're gonna try so, for something. I know this is. I feel like we've done this so many times. Like, the, oh, the Mavericks are gonna get somebody. They're gonna get somebody good. They're cooking. They're doing stuff. Is this the? Is this a new Mavericks? The, the oven is a little bit different. This, this is year. a Dirkless. Let's ma- just, let's just, Dirkless let's just leave that. Let's just leave that there. The oven's a little bit different this year. Mm. Yeah, little, little, little bit different oven this year. But we'll leave that at that. Uh, anything else that uh, we want to talk about? Nope. Uh, just we, that the oven yeah. is the oven. Well, the oven's oven, but uh, it's a little bit different than the past years. There you go, guys. That's Malcolm Brogdon, all defense, the Porzingis thing. And uh, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.